this is Family Sunday, so bear with us. We're going to get used to this, making a few changes. Um, how many of you, was there a bounce house? Could you see a bounce house on the way in? Yes. All right. That is, that is for the deacons, the elders, the pastoral staff. Um, we actually have boxing gloves, and we have to work out a few kinks, a few little issues, you know, so we're going to put them in there. And uh, No, that's for you kids. So all I ask is we need about 10 minutes. Can you be really good for about 10 minutes? We're going to have just a short time in the Word, and then we're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to pray over our time of fellowship. We are going to have fellowship. Uh, Kids can go out and play, have some fun, uh, and enjoy. So this is Family Sunday. On Family Sunday, uh, each month will kind of look like this, shorter service. Um, and you're going to see why. We're going to talk about it here in a moment. So we have more time to have fellowship together as a church family. Um, but a couple other announcements before I jump right into the word. And then, as I said, I will then pray at the end. And I'll also pray for the food, too. OK, so that way, when you go down, you can just start having a good time. Uh, but a couple of quick announcements. Um, one to mention um, in two weeks. We need to have our family budget meeting October 17th. We'll get back with you on the exact time, but it'll be uh, in the afternoon sometime. And then this week, uh, there's going to be some work done on the property. Uh, Kitchen clean out October 6th and 7th. I think there's a group of ladies coming in on the 6th, but uh, especially on the 7th, we do need some help. Uh, maybe some guys who could come in and help pull some of the cabinets. Uh, shouldn't take too long. Uh, but the foundation, you know, that you've been talking about for a long time, they will be coming in this week to fix the foundation, okay? Uh, also this week, I believe they're coming in to start working on the parking lot, to start getting that done. Uh, and I will mention, be ready, because in the weeks and months to come, there's going to be a lot more work being done on the property, okay? So bear with us, but we're going to start moving forward on these things. Uh, insurance is covering getting the stucco and the exterior of the building uh, painted also. So be praying about that. Um, and then uh, before long, we're going to start updating the inside and, and get things going. Everybody cool with that? Uh, moving forward on this, getting it updated. All right. So one more announcement. Um, wanted to mention uh, this month is Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, so the entire month uh, you can be giving. I want to make this very clear, uh, announce this. This is for the three pastors uh, that were here prior to me coming, okay? Um, I do not want any of the pastor appreciation. Uh, I want this to go to the three pastors that were here that led you guys through the time of COVID, that was here after Pastor Brandon stepped down. And so the money that comes in will be going to Pastor uh, Dan, uh, Pastor Richard, and then also Brother Anthony, um, because he, he was here uh, helping and leading, and I do not want any, and listen to me, from the bottom of my heart, I do not want any of the pastor appreciation to come to me. Um, you can do that next year, um, and just save up for it, okay? Um, <laughs> but I'm being, com- I really want to make this clear, because understand you're appreciating them for their service, for what they did this past year. And these men have done a fantastic job. And can we just give them a round of applause? Um, Because they really have. And uh, we we love these guys. They have done an amazing job. They're great, great men, and they're worthy of it. And so you can give online, uh, or you can give in the back. Just make sure that you put pastor appreciation on there. Uh, That way it gets to those three individuals, okay? 
And so let's take care of the ones that were here. Um, sometimes people say, well, maybe someone doesn't have the title pastor. You know what? I believe you don't have to have a title to do the work. You don't have to have a title to be an elder or a deacon or anything. You can still do that type of work. Does that make sense? Um, and so whether someone has a title or not, that doesn't matter. They were fulfilling that role. Are we all on the same page? Amen? Let's take care of them. Let's really honor them and bless them and be a blessing to them. And so I promise you I will be giving this week to that. Uh, and you can give online. Guys, you can give online. It's safe. It's convenient. All right? And you can do that as well. Uh, Acts chapter 2. We're going to be very brief. So I have just about 10 minutes or so, Lord willing. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And then uh, look at this passage. And I'm going to just jump right in, read this passage, and we'll get right into it. It says this, Acts 2. This is the early church, the first church, the church at Jerusalem. So it's the first church of Jerusalem. It says the fellowship of the believers. In Acts 2.42 it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, notice, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together. Notice this. They were together and they had everything in common. So there's a tremendous amount of unity in this church. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Notice this with a glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Notice this is a healthy church. What happened to this church? This church grew. It says daily there was growth. And daily they saw God's blessing. It says, and daily those who were being saved. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I pray you'd bless the very few moments of church. Lord, the purity of this church had for you, God, and for one another, how important it was. And it was a healthy church. And as we see this healthy church, because the church was healthy, and because this church had a passion for you and a passion for one another, it grew. And many people came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, that is our prayer here at Red Hills, it is our prayer that we would have a spirit of unity and, and that there would be a, a brotherhood and that we would build relationship and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ and that we would have unity and that we would be a church that is a healthy church so that when others see the love that we have for one another and the love that we have for you, that others will see that and it will draw them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is our prayer and so I pray that, God, you bless your word and speak to each heart today. In your name we pray. Amen. This church, how many of you are a little familiar with that first church, Book of Acts, powerful church, the church in Jerusalem. There's two things I want you to see about this church. Well, basically three, but one was just that they had a spirit of unity. And they were in one accord, not a Honda accord, but one accord, Okay. And they were all in the spirit of unity and had things in common. So much so that the Bible says that they sold. Other translations will say this, that they all sold all that they had and they brought it to the church. You'll see a little bit later, a few chapters later, a husband and wife, you know, they sold but they kept back some. And it wasn't that they kept it back, it was just that they lied about it. And they wanted to get, they wanted to get honored for something they didn't really do. But here's the thing. Let me ask you a question. What does New Testament uh, giving look like? 
What does New Testament giving look like? I've been a pastor now for 22 years. And it's interesting, especially when I was in the Missouri church, I was there for 16 years. It was interesting to watch people as they came in. And some people would say, someone would get up and say, hey, just a reminder, give your tithes and your offerings. And then there would be always those people in the church that say, well, I don't believe in tithes and offerings. I'm a New Testament giver. And I would just say, I love New Testament givers. They're awesome. And I would say, do you know what a New Testament giver looks like? They'd say, well, no, Pastor Joe, what does it look like? Well, Acts chapter 2 says that they sold everything that they had and they brought it to the church. That's a true New Testament giver. They didn't give 10%. They gave everything. Can I tell you something? It's not about a 10% or a 12 or a 15. It's about our hearts. Amen. And so we give, and, we're, and, and I believe this. A wise man once said this, that, that the tithe was the Old Testament. People say that and, that, and it is true. It was kind of the Old Testament thing. And, and, and I think this is true. The tithe is the training wheels of giving. That is just the beginning of what God expects from us. Because oftentimes we think we just cut a check, throw it in there, or we give, and that's it. No, God wants our hearts. He wants all of us. Amen. And it's not just about our, our, our treasure, if you will, or giving our money, but it's giving of our time, our abilities. You know, they got up here and sang, and didn't God use them in a tremendous way? They can play and sing, and God uses them. And all of us have gifts, talents, abilities. In this church, they brought everything to the, to the church. They said it's for everyone. And it was a spirit of unity. And so I want to ask this question. What does New Testament giving look like? Well, New Testament giving is completely different than what many people think that is. They gave everything. I'm not saying this morning that you have to give everything. Do you understand? I'm not saying go sell everything you have and bring it and give it to the church. Now, if God puts it on your heart, I guess you better be in obedience. And I don't suspect God would do that. But understand, in this early church, God did this to get the church to get going. Does that make sense? They needed this. It was the seed, if you will, to get the church growing and moving and going. And God blessed it. But I want to just focus in on this unity and how the church was in unity. And there was a good spirit among this church that they were generous and they were giving. But also, notice as we read in this passage, that they devoted themselves to the teaching. That's what we're doing now. And that's what we, we do each week. But also notice this, and to, can you read the next word if, you're, can, if you remember, and to what? Fellowship. And to the breaking of bread and prayer. Communion. We pray and we have a time of prayer and as a church we pray together. But also the breaking of bread. And it says this, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs. It goes on to say that they had everything in common, including all of their possessions they brought. And then later as you look it says this. It says that they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They break bread in their homes and they ate together with a glad and sincere heart, praising God and enjoying all the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to this church. This church was healthy. And because this church was healthy and because people loved one another and they had fellowship and there was a brotherhood, other people saw this and it was attractive and it drew them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love one toward another. If you have love one toward another. Now let me share something with you. This is interesting. I don't know about you guys, but do you like food? How many of you like food? I love food. 
You know, I love food. Yeah, amen. I love food. In fact, it's all, we're getting close to Thanksgiving and Christmas. And every time you have a birthday, there's food involved. And Christmas, food involved. And Thanksgiving, food involved. But this is something that I think is interesting. That It's really kind of God-ordained. God-ordained. I mean, think about it. Where did God put the first man and woman? Where did he put them? Right in the middle of a garden. Where they had the fruit and they had the vegetables. And he put them right in the middle of a garden. How awesome that was. But all through the Old Testament, you'll find this. God had seven ordered feasts. They end up having many more. But God in Leviticus, he ordered them to have feasts. Times of, if you will, spiritual celebrations. It was ordained by God. God commanded them. There were seven of them that you'll find in the Old Testament. Some of these you'll, you'll know if you hear them. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost. The Feast of Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles. And then later they added many more. These were just the ones that God commanded them. Said, you have to have a time of food and celebration. And I think, honestly, I think that was the First Baptist Church many years ago. Amen? All the way back in the wilderness when God gave them that command. God said, thou shalt have a potluck. At least seven of them. And then he said this, it's interesting, he's the one who laid it out, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, anyone know how long the Feast of Unleavened Bread lasted? It was seven days, seven days. I don't know about you, but man, that's a long feast, are you with me? A seven day feast. That they would celebrate. And this was ordained by God. Listen to the words of David in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 verse 5. He says, you prepare a what? Table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you get this picture? That God, he, he understands that food is a way that people fellowship. That people get together and hang out. Think about Jesus' ministry. What was one of the great miracles? The feeding of the what? 5,000. Food, right? Jesus preaches. Feeding of the 4,000. Food. Jesus preaches. How about the time that Mary and Martha invited all the guests and Jesus is there? And what are they doing? They're having a feast. They're gathering together for food. We just had communion. But what happened at the time of communion? There in the upper room, it was called the what? Last Supper. It's not called the last dinner. Amen. It's called the last supper. We just cleared up the debate on whether it's dinner or supper, whatever that is. It was called the Last Supper, right? And they gathered together. There in that upper room, Jesus had this time of personal fellowship and communion with his disciples. Jesus later, when he returned and he was here on earth, on the road to Emmaus, there were two disciples, I believe a husband and wife. And as he encounters them, they say, come, tell us more. And when they sit down, it says that they broke bread together. And when they, they didn't even know who they were talking to until he broke bread. My belief is when he broke the bread and he hands them the bread, they saw the wounds in his hands. They realized it was Christ, but he broke bread with them. He hung out with them. He talked with them. He fellowshiped with them. Remember when Peter was restored? There at the seaside of Galilee, Jesus shows up and they're out there fishing and they caught nothing. And he says, 
throw it out there a little deeper, and they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then they pull the fish in, and when they come to shore and he restores Peter, what, what does he do? There's already fish on the fire. They're sitting around, and they're eating. Can you picture Jesus? Most of his ministry was revolved around food and fellowship and hanging out, building relationships with his disciples. How about this? Anthony mentioned it. And Jesus, in the time of communion, in the Last Supper, he said, I won't do this again until I do it again with you in heaven. The book of Revelation is called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Amen? And there's going to be a time where we will all feast in the heavenly courts. Amen? With our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where we will sit together and hang out and fellowship. And that supper is in honor of Jesus Christ himself, the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. So I say all of that, and I point all of that out to say this, that here at Red Hills, we value fellowship with one another. We value relationship. We value community, getting to know one another in a more intimate way, not just coming in through a door, just walking in and walking out, but actually getting to know one another, building relationship, fellowship, Communion. Jesus hung out with his disciples. He talked with them. They ate bread together. And there is something about that. When you want meet with someone, you say, hey, hey, let, let's visit. Let's get together. What do you usually do? It's either coffee or tea or, or food, amen, and you hang out. And there's something about that. There's something special about that. And it's important. And so what we're saying is this, is at Red Hills, we value this. We think this is important. I, as a pastor, think it's very important that we live life together. Did you guys get that? That we live life together. That means when we're sitting around, hanging out, getting to know one another, sometimes you might say, hey, I have this need. And you get to know someone, and you say, I have this need, and you pray for one another. You build bonds and friendship and, and companionship. This church, the church here at, 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 in Acts here, this first church, was so healthy They loved one another. They were willing to die for one another. They were there for one another. And that is what we are called to do as a church family. Do I have an amen there? That is what we are called to do. Let me say it like this. We need to make time to do it. We make time to pray. We make time to sing and worship. We make time to study. But, you know, this church, they made time to fellowship together. Does that make sense? When you read here, they made time for it. So what we are doing is we're removing all the obstacles, and we're going to each month make time in our worship service. This is a part of our act of worship to set time aside. So that way it's already scheduled in the service that you will hang out and get to know one another, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Well, I don't like that person. Well, then go find someone else. There's got to be one other person that you can get along with. So we're making time. Amen? We're making time to hang out, to get to know one another, encourage one another, to build one another up, to be there for one another. And you know what I believe? That if the church has a spirit of unity and the church has this this camaraderie and this fellowship, that we will be a healthy church and we'll have this brotherhood. Amen? And as people see that we have love one toward another, it is attractive. Because can I tell you something? There's one thing that everyone has this desire. God has placed it in all of us. God has placed within every person a a need to belong. I used to do inner city ministry. And in inner city ministry, I worked with a lot of kids who were involved in gangs. I was in North Philadelphia. 
And Philadelphia means a city of brotherly love. And there was not a lot of brotherly love there, let me tell you. It was rough. It was hard. And I did inner city ministry. But you know what made gangs attractive to young people? People who had little or no home life or families was they wanted to belong to something. Can I tell you something? Everyone desires to belong. And we want all people to know that they belong to the beautiful family of God. Amen? And so we make time. I finish with this reading and we'll pray. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Listen to words of Jesus to the seven churches, to the church. At the very end, he says this. Listen to the words of Jesus. Read them if you could along with me. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. This is what he says to the church. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And notice this. Each version say it a little bit differently, but I really like this. He said this. And we will share a meal together as friends. Even the Lord Jesus Christ said, I desire to share a meal together with you as friends. It's an honor, amen, and a privilege as brothers and sisters in Christ that we can hang out together and build relationship together and fellowship together. And all God's people said, Amen. So we're going to make time to do it. Let's stand together. We're going to have a word of prayer. We're, we're giving you time. You would still be here for another 40 to 45 minutes. So if you're a guest, come and join us. You are family. You're brothers and sisters in Christ. Come and join us. We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to ask the Lord to bless the food, the fellowship.